Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. You've made it to another adventurous episode of Two Bulls in a China Shop. I'm shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing good. Uh, nice bounce today. Uh, people, I guess, this, when's this getting released? Next week? Well, nice bounce one week ago. So with the whole <laughs> Ukraine thing, uh, it, it didn't, so far, it has not all gone to shit. So that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so we're uh, we're thrilled today to welcome into the shop uh, Kevin White. Kyle was right on the name. How are you doing today, Kevin? <laughs> I'm doing great, doing great. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Um, everything all right over there? Uh, I know with all the craziness going on, hopefully we're not getting cyber attacks in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I pray we aren't. <laughs> but yeah, everything, <laughs> everything is uh, everything is fine on my. Well, Kevin, why don't you uh, kind of tell us a little bit about how you got into trading and kind of your like philosophy and style. I would say probably when I was um, getting out of high school and transitioning into college, I was I used to play basketball. I played at an NAIA school um, in Nebraska. Shout out Concordia, Nebraska. Um, I transferred to Illinois State, where I'm from, obviously, and just started, you know, getting more serious about, you know, what I wanted to do with my career. So I was a business major and a couple of my buddies were, you know, at the time heavily invested in the stock market. Mm -hmm. and. That was probably around a hundred to two hundred dollars, you know, for a college kid. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so they were doing a lot of just different like penny flips and whatnot. And at the time I probably threw around like 20 bucks in, just try to get a gauge of it. But after I graduated, really just started, you know, researching stuff about, you know, the stock market. Obviously, working in, you know, the business field and, you know, finance and money mm-hmm. um, was always interested in just how can I grow the money that I have? You know, so my my dad and my stepmom, especially my stepmom, she'll never tell me what investment she made, but she made over around $600,000 over the course of 15 years off. She got in early on something and she just won't tell me. <laughs> she still won't. Probably Apple, I would guess. If I had to guess, right? I, I would assume and I, I would always like pick her brain like, okay, like what is it? <laughs> and she just would never tell me. So yeah, um, my stepmom, she made um, one pretty good investment and a lot of, and a lot of smaller investments that paid off, mm-hmm. just holding long term. And she was able to retire off them. She worked a lot of, you know, six figure jobs as well and just was very good with her money. So she was the one who really got me interested as far as, you know, how can I turn whatever I have as far as, you know, saving money or any sort of savings and be smart enough to try to compound it. It's not even about, you know, trying to be a multimillionaire. You know, what she always told me was Mm -hmm. being rich to her was just being able to pay her bills, do what she want and utilizing her time to the fullest, you know? So that's always something that 
um, stuck with me. So that's kind of how I got started. Man, I hope you realize how lucky you are to have somebody that instilled those values in you at a young age, because I think that's really what's missing a lot in today's society. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, most definitely. I see it all the time. It's essentially with, you know, when I'm scrolling through Fintoid or looking at different accounts, it's like everyone, and I, I forget what trader that I follow tweeted this a while ago. He was like, everyone wants to be the next Warren Buffett when <laughs> essentially if you work full time and maybe the goal is to retire trading, but if you could just supplement an extra, we'll just throw numbers out, ten to $20,000 a year off pressing buttons, how crazy is that? Right. You know? So. Ah, so what was your mom's style then? Did she ever talk to you about like how to pick stocks or did she kind of keep everything close to her vest? Not, not really because even like now, like she sees how invested I am and every couple of weeks she'll send me some videos about, you know, risk management or <laughs> being safe with your money. The only thing I know <laughs> as far as sectors that she was in was different. It's different like healthcare. And I, I really, to be honest, that's the only thing I know. She would allude to different healthcare companies and stuff like that. And that's that's really all I know. And like I said, she didn't really want to get me too indulged. And then here I am right. um, every single day. <laughs> you know, well, it might have been a tricky way of her doing that to get you interested was <laughs> to not tell you and let you learn it yourself. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> So you have no idea if she was like fundamentals or technical based? Because I see you do a lot of technical analysis when you're... I'm heavy on, you know, technicals and whatnot. The only thing I know is she would tell me she would look at certain companies that seemed to her at the time would have good long-term growth. Mm -hmm. um, she wasn't big on any technicals looking at charts. I, when I first started, the fir the first thing I really started for real was looking at the foreign exchange market. And I would talk to her about like charts and movement. And she was like, she would just laugh. I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. She was like, <laughs> I would buy and hold and delete the app. So she got me started on Fidelity. I put like 500 bucks and we picked a couple stocks. Um, I don't even remember what they are. Um, at this time, closed out that account um, mm -hmm. years ago. Um, but she was like, yeah, delete that. She was like, check every, she was like, put an auto recurring investment in from your paycheck. It was like 50 bucks at the time. Yep. And she was like, forget about it. So like, she didn't look at anything <laughs> really. It just paid off whatever she was in. That's really the easiest way to do it too. I mean, I don't, I think more people should take advantage of that. Like if you want to do technical analysis and try to trade this on the daily, it requires a lot of work. And if you don't want to put that kind of you know time and effort into it, then just buy and hold and then just you know dollar cost average. That's the easiest exactly. way to, to become wealthy. What's the saying you like, Dan? Dragon style. Just keep buying more. No, not that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the, nobody wants to get rich slow, I think, is the, the problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to get rich slow. That's boring. It's not sexy. It really is. Oh, it's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I see that you, I mean, I like what you're doing. Uh, you, you, you've got your own journal that uh, you, you're updating. looks like fairly regularly. It looks like something you started uh, uh, this year. Correct. Uh, and it looks like you focus mostly on the SPY. Is that is that correct? Yeah, correct. I started focusing on SPY probably eight to nine months ago. Mm-hmm. I just seen how liquid it was. And it's so funny. A lot of my buddies that are on like FinTwit or even like just buddies I talk to, I still, for my main account, as far as day trading, I use Robinhood and people always laugh at me. Ooh. And I'd say like <laughs> the first, and I, the only rationale I have, I said the first trade I took on Robinhood, I made $2,000. I felt it was lucky. I'm like, I can't leave this. I'm like, I, oh, right. I, I didn't even know anything. So I'm just like, this has to be a sign. And like people, they'll talk about, 
uh, Webull or TD Ameritrade or Fidelity, and they are just like, oh, these suck. I can't get good fills. I'm like, well, f- I trade SPY 90% of the time. The fills are great. I'm yeah. sure they're fine anywhere else. But I'm like, if this is all I'm trading, and especially if the spreads are super tight, it's just like, I don't care to change right now. Now that could change, you know, as my account grows and, you know, things of that nature over the next couple of years. But for now, I'm like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But when I first started getting heavy into options trading about like three years ago, um, I would trade a lot of different things, like without really knowing whether it's, you know, mid caps or, you know, even large caps and understanding, you know, the importance of good spreads or a good mm-hmm. fill, even sometimes, you know, just making mistakes as far as if I'm writing a something in an uptrend and trying to sell now in, you know, a knife or a downtrend, try to lock in profits, especially for options is different than just selling shares of a small right. cap. Like as soon as I hit sell, it's just whatever it gets filled at. But that's not the case, <laughs> you know, for <laughs> options, you could mess around and lose 15 to 20 percent of your gains if you're trying to sell in that downtrend. But yeah, for SPY, like I said, it really I would I do a lot of back testing and just looking at different support and resistance zones. So it respected it good good enough to me to try to focus in on it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, especially with how tight the spreads are and the fills are good, I was like, why not focus on this? You know, fast forward now, I see everyone is a super spy expert when a year ago, I would never really see anyone talk about spy, but it, you know, it is what it is. Like when people mm-hmm. see small caps get wrecked, you know, you can't really swing anything on small caps mm-hmm. and, you know, anything like mid to large, everything is solely connected to spy, especially over the past, you know, five months, why wouldn't you trade it? So that's what I kind of encourage people, especially if they follow me on Twitter, like kind of focus on one ticker. It doesn't have to be the index. It could be Apple. It could be whatever you feel comfortable with. Try to figure out and quote unquote, I don't like to use the term master it, but just figure out the tendencies and the personalities. And you, I mean, yes. you could go a long way just doing that. I think we talked about that. Uh, maybe it was that last year, Dan. Yeah. Trying to, when we talked to David Modell, trying to focus on like, you know, 10 stocks at max, build out your watch list of diverse sectors. Like Kevin said, good liquidity. So, you know, you're going to get good fills, good spreads. You're not going to, nothing worse than, you know, seeing a, a an option that you a contract that you bought you know at a dollar and then you're trying to sell it and the spread is you know two dollars on the low and 350 on the high like now what do i do (laughs) exactly (laughs) and that happens a lot too i don't think newer traders probably don't realize that no yeah and that's one thing like if people like dm me or if i you know just talk to anybody, you know, about like options per se. Oh man, like my contract ran 50% and I tried to sell and I got filled and I only got, you know, 30% of the, what I actually had. I'm like, well, yeah, depending on what kind of spreads and how much liquidity, you know, volume is in that, you know, in the stock itself or in that contract, you know, you could get wrecked mm-hmm. essentially. So um, that's why I never, literally never see a problem, you know, trading SPY um, as far as getting filled, whatever I'm at, it's usually going to fill that or, you know, even if I'm just a market order or whatever, you'll get filled at the mid. If I sell something at, you know, $2 even per se, and as I'm selling, I see a big move up, let's say I had calls, it might fill me at, you know, 206. So at least you get a little bit of benefit there as well. Have you ever considered uh, uh, trying futures? I still I've seen a lot about futures on, you know, Twitter over the past couple weeks and I've seen it to be very lucrative. I just I don't know. I think I will like dabble in it 
um, over the next maybe couple weeks or a month. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have seen a lot of talks about futures on, on the timeline. I would, I would think you probably have the right mindset for it. Looking at, I mean, you got really good, uh, risk management. Um, you're already focused on the SPY. So, I mean, right. trading the ES is basically that on steroids. Right. Whereas instead of getting 20 cents on a contract, mm -hmm. you're going to get, you know, 20 points, which would, what does that come out to a thousand bucks? Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing some crazy gains on some futures. So I will um, take a little bit of money and probably, probably start small. Like I, <laughs> yeah. like I see a lot of people say, and just try to figure it out. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's nice. Cause you can start with the micros and if you get a good platform, um, like we use Sierra charts, like you, you can set up your brackets. So that way, uh, you know, you're never risking more than, you know, two, two to four points per, you know, entry. So you've always got, I mean, if you're trading futures, always have your stops, obviously, but yeah, definitely something to take a look at that. Oh, that was what I wanted to ask you about, uh, Robinhood. I've never used the Robinhood app, so I don't know if they have a good interface like, uh, Thinkorswim does. Like, can you set up brackets? Can you drag trails and do everything like manually or do you have to punch everything in like on an order ticket? They have a desktop version and I used to use it quite a bit when I was doing like if I'm holding shares, so like pennies or any anything small cap related, but anything options, like I'll have my monitor up, my laptop, and then I'll just do the fills like on my phone. So you are you having to fill out like an order ticket anytime you place one or can you do like what Thinkorswim does uh, where you can like actually set up your brackets, you can drag your orders uh, like up and down a ladder? I see. I'm, I'm not I'm not really sure as far as like how Thinkorswim works. The only way um, I can really... I guess explain it as far as options go for Robinhood. Actually, maybe maybe just elaborate a little bit more, just so I could get a good understanding on the question. Okay, so when I when I make an options trade, if I'm doing like an options day trade, which normally I stick to swings, but um, like if I put my entry in, I can use uh, I can actually look at like a DOM where it shows like a market order book, and I can look at how many orders are at this price level. I can just click the mouse on that price level on the buy or sell side and it'll place my order. And I can pre-set up my brackets beforehand too. So when I place that order, then it sets a take profit and a stop loss. And then I can actually drag those orders up and down to set my, my profit and uh, take profits and stop losses without having to go through and re-edit a whole nother ticket. Like it makes it a lot easier oh, when you're trying okay. to do like, yeah. you know, day trading, like things have to go a lot quicker. Right. Exactly. I see what you're saying. So yeah, literally Robinhood does not have all of that. So essentially like I'm looking at just the spread, mm -hmm. you know, the bid and the ask. And I see that a lot of times with like some of my buddies, like on Webull, like the, in like the interface, it'll show them the high and the low, of the contract off a of candlestick and stuff of, you know, of that nature, like Robinhood isn't that like complex. And that's, why my buddies always poke fun at me they're like how do you trade that well on robin i know yeah, that's what i'm wondering <laughs> <laughs> and, and like even since you guys said that i'm like it, it's just maybe reassuring i'm like okay maybe i do need to get off this because maybe i you need yeah <laughs> think or swim is free with a td ameritrade account like yeah if nothing else just open an account and check it out man yeah i mean maybe like i said maybe i need to because <laughs> Even if I send screenshots, you know, in our my group chat, people will thumbs down. They're like, we don't care, man. Like, just get this interface out of our face. Uh, people also just hate Robinhood in general uh, after, right. you know, the whole GameStop yeah. uh, snafu. Are you using separate software to look at the stock chart? Or are you also doing your charting inside Robinhood? 
No, I'll I'll use Trading View. Trading View is the that seems yeah. to be the go to okay. one. Okay. Yeah. So everything that I do, like whether it's intraday or like you know after market close, like am I set up? Like I'll have all my Trading View screens up and whatnot, and then I'm just like kind of taking the orders based on what I'm seeing on trading view. They on the desktop version, they have like charts, they suck. You know, so everything has to be done outside. And even now that I'm saying this, it's like I said, it's just reassuring me that maybe over the next couple of weeks I get off. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's worth checking out. Yeah. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. There's a, a pretty steep learning curve with Thinkorswim. Um, I don't know about Webull. I have an account yeah. with them, but I don't really mess with them too much. I think that's the one I do on my phone when I'm away from the computer. But it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, at least Thinkorswim has a million videos. Yeah, and there are some good people on YouTube, too, that we can recommend that have some good, nice tutorials to kind of show you how it works. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, after, yeah, you could definitely send me that, and then I'll take a look. I'd want to pivot real quick then, because one of the things that I think that, that got us really excited to talk to you uh, was was basically the honesty that uh, I see see from you on Twitter. Like you're not just posting gains all the time. You you post the struggles and the things that you do to try to overcome them. And I think that's very refreshing. Something that doesn't happen enough in this industry. Uh, like what got you to or what what made you like kind of decide to take that approach? Um, like I said, like just growing up, like my parents always instilled like you know being a genuine person. Don't try to put out you know a fake persona. Like who you are is who you are. So. Um, when I first started, you know, I used to just like anybody would start, I would take a lot of alerts and I never would know why someone would alert a stock, mm. you know, and I would know how to manage it. And I don't know when to take it off, you know, or <laughs> when, to, uh, when to cut the loser, you know, right. like when to take the game. And so um, even I, I see it all the time as far as like now, just like, you know, taking alerts is OK. But at the same time, going back to me, you know, I've been down. 10, 20,000, just like doing stupid stuff in the past. And, you know, there was no one really to help me or, you know, even if I'm taking a loss or even when I would see some of the people I would follow, you know, some of the bigger accounts, you know, working with a $10 million account, you know, 50K loss. And then I see them at, you know, the nightclub or at the beach, you know, <laughs> if I took a 50K hit, it, it's not sitting good in my mental. So, right. you know. I just wanted to make sure that I am as relatable as possible. And I always tell people, you know, in my DM, they say the same thing. Me posting, you know, my gains every day should not inspire. I don't want to use the word inspire because I guess that does. But that should not, you know, motivate you to follow someone or unfollow someone. Like I learned a lot from a small account on Twitter at a time mm -hmm. who would never post gains or losses. They would just post charts and education. And that really helped me. So I'm just like, even if, you know, I never post a gain on Twitter again and someone's sitting at home with $500,000 account, you know, they don't know how to play it. But if I get a DM like, Hey, I've been really looking at, you know, what you're saying about, you know, support and resistance and how to execute and fake outs. And I made, $200,000 off of, you know, my 500k account, you know, that's what really matters. Like, mm -hmm. and that's, that's kind of the things that, you know, I try to push every single day is focus on, you know, your education as much as you can. Because if I really honed in on my, you know, education four years ago, instead of chasing, you know, millionaires and what they throw at different stocks, I would probably, probably be way farther than I am now. So like I said, most of my account is just catered to the new trader and, you know, relatable. A lot of people are not, you know, doing this full time. I'd say 90, 
99% of people that, you know, trade or invest aren't doing it full time. So like, how can you just supplement some money? And if you want to get to that point, that's great. Um, but like I said, if you can make, if you make $60,000 as, you know, as your salary and you really hone in on your education and you're able to make $25,000, pressing buttons, that's unbelievable, you know? So those are some of the things that, you know, why that I cater to the new guy. It's not about trying to full port something and become a millionaire in two months, three months, because realistically, that's how you just blow out your whole account and then you'll never touch right. it again. So if I could, if I could, you know, provide as much constant, relatable content so people can get away from, yeah, some of these people on Twitter, they have a $5 million account or maybe $800,000 account, whatever. So if they lose 5,000 or 6,000 in a day, they could stomach that and be fine, you know, even though it is a lot of money, but someone with a 10 K account can't go with the same size and lose 70% of their account. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. that's not what, you know, you want to be preaching. We kind of touched a little bit on risk management, but did you, uh, did you have a teacher as far as that? Or did you have to learn that the hard way? Same as most people. Yeah. My teacher was market <laughs> tuition, just like a lot of people, just like a lot of people. Um, the, the biggest thing for me was I lost 10,000 in a day and it was, <laughs> I don't think I ate anything for about five days. Oh, wow. Like literally didn't have an appetite and I was just adding to a loser, adding to a loser. I called my dad and I told him and he just sat on the phone silent for a little bit. And he was like, he asked me a couple questions. He was like, do you still have money to pay your bills? I was like, yeah. He was like, can you cover an unexpected expense if it hits you as well? I was like, well, yeah. He was like, okay, well, and he literally told me, he was like, that's market tuition yeah. for you. He was like, you shouldn't be risking that much money where it literally affects you, you know, to your mental that much. But at the same time, it's a valuable lesson. I took that. And even though I lost 10K in a day, which is literally crazy to think about at the time, you know, I slowly made it back over the course of three months. And then something else that I talk about, I'm like, man, like if I just would have cut that loser at a thousand or two thousand, I'll be up 8K on my account. And that's what I always tell people as well. I'm not a hindsight trader because whatever happens, it happens. Let's see. So we talked a little bit about toxicity on social media, how you're kind of fighting that, the small Twitter account. Uh, where did you learn uh, technical analysis then? Where did you actually learn how to analyze the markets like you do? I would say, and I touched on this a little bit, the first thing that really got me going was like looking at like the currency market. So, you know, Forex and whatnot. So I'm sure you guys are aware of, you know, like the pyramid scheme around like MLM or IML, whatever the little pyramid scheme is. So like... Mm -hmm. One of my buddies about three and a half, four years ago was telling me about it talking to me about, oh yeah, you could like trade, but also like get people to sign up. I'm like, this is like, you know, pyramid scheme one-on-one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, so let me just like look into it. You know, I, I like to learn. I like to explore different things. And I just watch like videos on YouTube. I don't have anyone like bookmark as far as like Forex traders. There is one. I can't think of his name. Actually, his name is Nick Sean. Mick or I Nick? Nick. N-I-C-K. Yeah. I used to watch his videos and just talk about 
you know, entering in positions, using multi-frame, multi-frame, uh, t- multi-time frames, right. um, starting out big, looking at daily, weekly levels, looking at just, you know, if you need to start off, go to the weekly, go to the daily and just put a line on the wick and then go down to the hour, 15 minute and see how the levels are all, you know, how they're respected, mm-hmm. you know, themselves. So I played around with Forex for about two and a half months. I put in around 8K and took that to like $20,000. I was like, this was cool, but it was, it was very fast, especially (laughs) around (laughs) the movement was a little bit like too much for me. So like sometimes you would get, you know, draw down very quickly. Something I really didn't like, like I said, I profited off of it, but it was a little bit too much of uh, an emotional roller coaster. So I just transitioned, transitioned that, you know, just to stocks. Remember what I was saying about futures a little bit ago? Futures, Uh, correct. Yeah, that's going to be about the same. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm aware like the movement is the same, but it it, it was just crazy as far as for the most part, I traded um, the Euro, um, Euro USD and like USD um, JPY, so Japanese yen. Mm -hmm. Those are the um, the two that I kind of like started off technical analysis with. And like I said, after that, I just kind of transitioned to mid caps and large caps. Why is it that a lot of the people, at least the successful ones that we talked to, seems like they learned either futures or Forex first and then moved to stocks? Like that seems backwards to me. I, I think it's because just like, it, I think it started off with like the IML movement and people becoming like the different names that they have for like when you level up as prestige level. Oh. Like, I, I don't know all of that stuff. So people, <laughs> so people get like fantasized by like, I could be a Fortune 500 member and then make 500,000. But like, that's literally just like a sub service, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're signing on people. So I just told, you know, my buddy, I'm like, I'm going to try it out, you know, put like some money into the account and see how I go about it. And then it turns out a lot of people from IML don't even know how to trade themselves. So it's just like, (laughs) like I said, once I figured it out myself, it was just, you know, to go from there. Uh, Pyramid schemes, uh, not that bad if you can get in at the beginning, but <laughs> definitely don't <laughs> right. want to be the last. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, any particular stocks that you uh, did you still like to trade? Like, is there one that always calls to you? I mean, to be honest, like, not really. So, like, the tickers that like I trade that's not like you know SPY. I trade AMD often. I have a love hate relationship with AMD. <laughs> AMD always like I'll I'll look at I'll look at the chart end of day and like sometimes seeing like very clean movement. Sometimes anytime I get in, it'll just knife around and just right. like oh my goodness, like. <laughs> but if 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 you can find it like a really good trend and a really good entry, you know, if it's uptrending, like I'll try to like you know get in on a red candle and you might you might see some good movement, but. Even then, sometimes it'll just knife down and continue a downtrend as soon as I enter. So that's always great. Yeah, every time I try to pick a swing on there lately, it seems like it's always wrong. (laughs) Um, Other than that, I traded Apple from like last August through like December. The The one stock though, and I always like tell people about it, I've never had any success with is Tesla. Never had, <laughs> never had any success with Tesla. I think the most I made out of a Tesla option, whether I was using you know a thousand dollars worth of my underlying or ten k, was maybe a hundred bucks. Maybe right. <laughs> those fucking options are so expensive. I can't bring myself to trade it, and I don't like buying something that's so far out of the money. Right. I mean, like for 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 Tesla, for Tesla though, like sometimes depending on like how strong the trend is. I mean, you could buy $50, $60 out the money and still be okay. You mm-hmm. know, 
But, yeah, but I mean, aren't those still like fourteen, fifteen dollars even on the weeklies? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, to me, that's just too much. I like, I don't like to spend more than that. Like, uh, like a max entry on a trade. Like, that's about the cap that I want to spend. Right. Exactly. And I want to have more than one position so I can, you know, scale out too. Right. Right. But yeah, like traditionally, I would say speaking, just to go back to your initial question, the stock that I traded almost every day for about three, four, maybe even like six months um, was Penn, Penn National Gaming. Mm. I started trading it around, it was around $60 mark about back in 2020 of the fall around like October. And me and a couple of my buddies, we would trade it every day and just, we traded it up until it got included in the S&P 500. And then it was kind of my sign that it was about to decline. So I should have just grabbed puts when it was at 150. Yeah, I'm looking at that chart right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jesus Christ. Pen, P-E-N-N. N-N, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that that was around the time when, like, they were getting a lot of news with, you know, opening sports books in different states. And, like, every single day or, you know, in the morning pre-market, you might get some news around it and the stock would run mm-hmm. 8 $9 intraday. So, like, we would just buy it open and hold our positions probably through, like, you know, through lunchtime and just slowly scale out. But a lot of clean action for Penn. But other than that, I haven't seen anything that I really like as far as just like clean action besides, you know, the index spot. Well, and also, I mean, like the past couple of years have been, I think uh, it was a George who who likes to say that if you just punch in your initials and the ticker and just buy it you could have made money yeah oh, yeah we're probably not going to see that continue in 22 no <laughs> definitely not uh, some of my buddies who like to play darts and we just always say like blindly just throwing random darts at a board and opening your eyes and it was a bullseye you know for any stock right yeah we fight random in our in our bet yeah it, it can be <laughs> harsh in a bull run <sighs> yeah, yeah we use a random uh uh, generator that generates a stock ticker. Okay. Somehow over the last month, we lost to the fucking random stock. Yeah. It's going long on securities on the last month that we had, and somehow it made more money than us. Can you explain <laughs> that? Yeah, right. <laughs> how, how the hell does that work? <laughs> I cannot, but let me use that random generator. That yeah, so right. <laughs> Was it randomstock.ca? I think is uh, the one we use. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, it was just getting like perfect entry after perfect entry. It's so annoying. We pull up the chart, look at it, we're like, well, okay, well, this one's going to fucking hurt us. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, like a couple of my buddies, they use like, you know, simulators and whatnot. And mm-hmm. it's, I never really got like a good feeling around a simulator, but he's about like 27 days green in a row. So I'm like, it must be working, but. I don't know. When I was trading Forex, there was a couple people that I followed that kind of did like simulator stuff. I don't know, like for someone just like I said, a computer or like an algo just to do it for me, just like as a smaller trader, I would say. Oh, that's what you mean. You mean like uh, a computer is doing the trades for you? Yeah, finding like the best entry per se and like you would just go on about like managing the trades yourself. Well, we've actually been playing around with that in the futures market. In fact, I got a bot running live that I just started this morning. But it's really it's interesting to look into it just because it's going to teach you to really qualify your entries. Like if you have to try to write some sort of logic or statements that tell it when to get into a trade, it's really going to make you think about what gets you in, what gets you out. <laughs> when you get in, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, help, uh, crossover and like the skills that you learn in trying to put one together really helps, I think, solidify your own trading plan that you use in your everyday, your everyday yeah. trading. Right. Most definitely. 
Yeah, speaking of, what are your favorite setups? What do you look for when you're entering a trade? I'm very like basic as far as like my chart indicators and like things that I use. The only thing like I'll look at different, not necessarily like candlestick patterns and like formations. I'll look at just like rejections, like big wicks, but I'm just looking for a strong close over a level I have outlined or a break in a retest. That's Mm -hmm. really all I'm ever, you know, utilizing. I'm not much of a trend line person. I like to keep the chart very just minimal on what I'm looking at because I just have to be laser focused. So like I said, five to 10 minute, usually um, over the past couple months, 10 minute chart, a close above the level. If it closes, you know, too far from the level, you know, that depends on anyone. I'll wait for a retest. If I don't get it, that's fine. And I'm utilizing VWAP. That's literally it. Hmm. My chart looks like an empty screen. To me, it's just like, and I talk about it on my Twitter a lot. I like to tune out the noise and that's kind of what I talk about. Hmm. There's a lot of different things that can help you. And if you look through Twitter, you could find 10 to 15 to 20 different traders that kind of trade differently, whether that's, you know, EMA crossovers or, you know, maybe even just straight off news related or different like bull pennants, big, you know, flags, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But for me, I find that like, I'll just backtest levels every night. If it's respected, it's most like this. If it's respected on like, you know, four hour a daily chart, Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be respected intraday off a bounce somewhere. So like I said, very, very basic as far as, you know, my setup slash strategy and what I look for. Do you pay attention to the pre-market? I think one of our past guests said that the, like the pre-market highs or lows are like, 90% 90% to be hit like during the daily trading session? Yeah, I'll I'll take that into account, especially in a pre-market where, you know, SPY has range. So like if SPY moved around five to $6 pre-market, or, or you know, that's kind of drastic, but like, let's say yeah, like right. three to three to four bucks, which that can typically happen um, sometimes. So like, I'll look at those and keep them in account. And for example, like my levels, like every night I'll mark them as like a purple color per se. I'll have like sh- very strong levels that are yellow and then like a pre-market high and low. I'll delete those, but every day I make them like a light blue just so I can distinguish like what I'm looking at. So typically those hit, I think spy, what was it yesterday? Pre-market low of around 432 something and it bounced right off of that and just mm-hmm. ran um, end of day into like four. 37. So definitely take those into account. Not Nothing ever after hours for me. No. <laughs> well, you're doing mostly options trades with them too, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So kind of limited. Are you uh, pretty much trying to be in cash by the end of the day too? Everything is a hundred percent cash unless it's a lotto for me, especially right now. Even when I first started, I don't want to say I have anxiety, but like even when the market is closed, I'm just like swinging something. I'm just like, I'm now anxious to see in the morning at 4 a.m., like looking like, all yeah. right, like what's, <laughs> where, what are we doing? What are we doing? So like, I feel like just for my mental sake, even if it's, like I said, I never, never let a day trade turn into a swing. I talk, mm-hmm. I tell anybody that, that, you know, hits me in my DM or just like, regardless, people asking for advice. If it is a day trade, and that's what I consider myself for my day trading portfolio, it has to be cut. It has to. So like, even if I'm down a thousand bucks, if I let a trade go down that far, as it gets to two something or whatever, and I'm still holding it, I make sure that I'm cutting it because that could just turn into an, you know, an even bigger loss. So everything is always cash for me. You mentioned the getting up at four to check your swings. There's nothing worse too than seeing a, a big pre-market spike. And then uh, as you get closer and closer to open, it just slowly going away. 
<laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. You were destroying my options value. I think that happened to us with Raytheon yesterday. Yeah. Woke up, saw it at 105, and then it opened at like 99. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. See, like, that's why, like I said, like, to me, like, I just always have to close everything out, like, in a long term portfolio, or if I had, like, a smaller, which I'm going to start it probably in the summertime, like a little, like, challenge account. Not like, and I hate to use the word challenge because I see it so many, like, challenge accounts like revolved around like earnings oh i'm gonna start a thousand dollar challenge account take it to 10k and put it all into you know puts on someone's earnings and you know maybe it hits whatever yeah but i really want to just like scale something slow and like be able to like swing stuff because i wouldn't consider myself a good swing trader like really whatsoever Mm -hmm. anytime like i see something intraday or like i'm managing a position i'll take it i don't care if it ran another you know seven eight bucks over the next three weeks. It just doesn't work well with my mental. And I tell people, you just got to figure out what works for you. You know, in my long-term portfolio, sure. Like I'll buy some stuff and not look at it for a month and a half, whatever. But as far as day trading, a hundred percent cash for me always. That's funny. I think I'm the opposite. As far as like day trading options, I'm not very good at that. Trying to learn and get better, but I'm definitely much better at like swinging you know, one, one to three week trades. Yeah. I mean, so like, even like for day trading, essentially like, and that's what I tell people or like, even like I'll tweet about if I'm entering close as close as possible to a level I have outlined, if it's invalid, I'm cutting it because I can always re-enter. I've seen it, right. you know, throughout my, throughout my trading career, DM somebody talking about it. I took some spy puts about a week and a half ago. I got down like 150. I was like, all right, I'm cutting it, whatever. Sometimes I would hold it and maybe stomach being down like 500, 600 intraday on not a really big position. So like I might be down 30%, which is stupid to hold. (laughs) I cut the position, I re-entered closer to the level and made like 300 bucks on the next trade. I was like, okay, so your losses are gone. But you know, if I would have held that minus 600 and then you would have got back to that same level, I guess, and I would still be down. So it could have, or right. maybe it wouldn't have. <laughs> right. Or maybe it wouldn't have. So like the, the quicker that I could, you know, get to that point, as far as thinking about like, do I need to cut it? And that's why I tell people always enter as close as you can into whatever level you have outlined. If, if it's a psych level or something that, like I said, that you outline, because you'll know very quickly if it's invalid or not. Mm-hmm. So what are some other uh, helpful tips that you've learned or maybe uh, some, some things not to do? Some things not to do, even though like, you know, my Twitter is like growing because like, I feel like I could call myself like one of the most relatable traders that I see on, you know, my Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. I don't really look at Twitter intraday ever. Like the only time I'm on Twitter is like my computer up and I have a group chat with just like some traders from Twitter, like talking about stuff. But I remember when I first started off and I would just be like looking for whether it was a Zach Morris tweet or someone else's alerts or, you know, different things. Like I didn't know what I was doing. So I even talked about this, I think yesterday, I commend people who like consistently live trade for discords because I've been in situations like, you know, talked on a live trade discord platform or just even in the chat of a live discord, I need to be so focused. So starting off, I always tell people, just focus on whatever your plan is. You know, Mm -hmm. you might be, I might be taking puts on something and someone else on Twitter might be taking calls. If you see that as a new trader, maybe you flip your bias and now you get out of your puts and then 10 minutes later, your puts would have ran 50%. You know, so like I'm, 
that's one of the biggest things I say, and I always talk about it, tune out the noise. I don't sit on Twitter, you know, whatsoever. As far as like things not to do, like I said, touched on it. That Go ahead. The one you just mentioned just happened to me like within the last like six months. Uh, when I was looking at Twitter when it was trading in the 40s and I had... I posted it on there saying like, oh, I think this looks good for puts. And one of the traders I really respected said like, you're crazy, man. I think this is going to this price by end of year. And I'm like, well, shit, you know, if he thinks that, you know, what am I looking at? That's wrong. Well, right. <laughs> I would have been right this time. Right. Uh, if I wouldn't have followed, if I would have did what you did, turned out the noise and I would have made a nice little profit on something that I'd spent some time. Cause you don't know what the other person is thinking too. When they say like following somebody else's ideas and tweets, like they're never going to have long-term success with that. Like if you want to look at what other people are doing, try to figure out why they're doing what they're doing. I, th- I think. Exactly. So like, I'll give an example, just kind of how like you talked about. So like my dad, he called me in around September, October. He's like, I got, you know, some money. I don't care about losing. Um, let's invest it. Mm-hmm. I was like, sure. So like, to me, that's a swing. That's just like, we're going to swing something. Um, I was looking at Lucid at the time and I tweeted about it. I was like, Lucid, I think at the end of 2022 could get to a hundred bucks. And somebody tweeted me, it was a long thread. They're like, why do you think that there's other competitors? And I was like, well, at the end of the day, can it get to a hundred? Maybe. Is it, will it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But all I'm doing right now is just trading the action, you know? So like for right now, for our swing, it was working good. So my dad got in around, I think low thirties and we took it to like 55 or something like that. Nice. And I, and I was like, even I called them and I tweeted about it. I was like, even though I think this might get to a hundred, we almost just did a hundred percent on this swing. It would be foolish not to just close it out. This isn't like the new Tesla, even though right. I like yeah. I put I put things out <laughs> like I'm like, could it be Tesla's rival? Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, like Tesla is a like a generational stock, you know. Yeah. So like I didn't think Lucid was gonna boom run to five hundred. I'm like, if I did, yeah, okay, we'll hold it. But I'm like, why wouldn't we not take the entire investment off. And we did. He was like, you sure you want to take it all off? I said, take it all off. Then two weeks later, it dropped back down to like low 40s and like, look at it now. It's at 24. So like, even even then, like he was very critical on like, you know, I forgot who was tweeting me about it. Everything he said made sense. And like fast forward, it does make sense. But at the time being like, I could have looked at that and closed out the trade. And then, you know, three weeks to a month later would have missed out on a 2X on my dad's port. So like I said, that's what I'm very big on, just tuning out the noise. The other funny thing, too, with options is that two people can be right. Just depends on what kind of time frame you're looking at. Correct. Mm-hmm. Cor- yep. Correct. Correct. Like, I realized that the other guy, he was looking at like a year long time frame. I was looking at, you know, three weeks. And it's it's not like, I mean, holding ho- holding shares and holding options are, you know, totally different. Like Yes, totally different Did you put a trailing stop on there for my dad's swing no i don't oh, <laughs> red flag <laughs> always protect your gains man <laughs> i i i did not i mean at the time the the volume um that was you know pouring into lucid was crazy so i was just like i just kind of waited for a dip on intraday mm-hmm. i i forget i think it, i think it was around late september october something like that and like i said i waited for a dip i was like we just have to get in at this point it wasn't like anything like like drastic we're like okay this is a good technical entry i was like no we just have to get in so um he didn't care and i'm not trying to put my dad's business out there he makes a lot of money so it's just like it is what it 
you know, it is what it is. And it was stress-free to me because it wasn't mine. Right. <laughs> I find those are more stressful personally. <laughs> no, I, I asked him, I was like, are you sure you're okay with losing? He was like, Kevin, I'm sure. He was like, just play with it. I was like, sounds good to me, you know. So, oh, man, that's awesome. Well, hopefully he got you a nice Christmas present for that. <laughs> it's funny. Um, just like a side note, I remember when I turned, I turned 21 and my dad, I talk about all the time. He's like the biggest role model of my life. One of the smartest people I know. I called him and I was like, you're talking to a grown man now. And he says, <laughs> he, and he, he just, he just sat on the phone silent. He says, I'm glad you said that, grown man, because grown men don't give other grown men gifts anymore. And that was the <laughs> <laughs> And so so for my twentieth birthday, that was the last gift gift he's uh got me. So I like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my philosophy. If I want something, I go buy it. Like don't don't, don't make me wait for it. That's <laughs> now you just give me a chore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gift cards. I like that too. Oh, now I gotta go somewhere. Thank you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am a bit of a Scrooge though. I've had it the other way where somebody's like, oh, don't buy that for yourself. Your birthday's coming up. And then I don't get it. And I'm like, God damn it. I still need that keyboard case. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I would have had it a month ago if you hadn't told me to wait. And I'll, I'll segue in. And that's a good segue into like what I preach about as far as like on my Twitter and like as far as my account. And everybody has been at this point, you know, in their trading career. Like the money is like really never real until you withdraw it or, you mm-hmm. know, until you actually utilize it. So like, I'm not saying like every week or every day you have to take out money, but you will respect the money that you make if you take it out and maybe pay a bill or go get yourself something or do something nice for a family member per se. I tweeted this. I had a really good week early in February and I took my I took about a couple thousand bucks out and I took my mom to one of the nicest, you know, steak houses in Chicago. Mm paid some bills off here and there. And so it's just like a respected value. So it's like, instead of me like week over week over week, never taking any sort of profit. And let's say you had a credit card bill of 3000 bucks and you made 5,000 bucks, maybe take $1,500 out and pay it down. Just so you, it's, it's, it's all a mental thing. Cause yeah. five weeks from now, maybe you take your biggest loss ever. <laughs> you know, and so like that money that you made five weeks prior, it doesn't even exist anymore. So like I always tell people, pay pay yourself first in the market. You know, if you have a weekly goal of five hundred bucks and you eclipse it and you make two thousand, well your weekly goal is only five hundred. Maybe take two fifty out and go actually spend the money because it's not coming from your full time. Because I'm not talking about any full time traders, but it's yeah. not coming from your actual job. It's money that you worked hard for and just generated clicking buttons. That's it's always very surreal to me. Well, not only that too, but like you, you kind of mentioned, like taking a big loss. If you if you take the money out and you keep only what you need to trade, it's just an extra form of protection too. Correct. If that money's not in the account, then you can't lose it either. Correct. And like anytime, like I have a whether it's a big day for myself, a big week or a big month, especially a day, I will come back the next day and trade with one contract or not trade at all. And one of my buddies told me about doing that just to get away from the euphoria of telling yourself, like, I have this big buffer. I can now play with size. Well, Mm. if you never, if you never play with size, why are you going to play with size now? Because now you don't know how to manage it. So (laughs) if you start if you start adding size and you get a knife and your typical knife is down maybe 150, but now you're down 600, that's going to hurt you. <laughs> you don't know right. what to do. Mm-hmm. So I always do that. You know, 
especially like any four figure day that I have, I'll come back and play with one contract and set my daily loss mentally for a hundred bucks. I'm just like, it is what it is. And like some people, they, they talk against it. Like you need to use that momentum. I'm like, if your mental mm. is not strong enough. Mm. And sometimes, like I said, we're all human. It might not be the next day. So let me make sure I could, you know, protect myself and preserve everything that I just made. Cause you know, some days are outliers. You know, I had posted a, the PayPal earning strangle I made uh, or I did. I had some puts on that too. <laughs> I had to take a day off also. Actually, I think I took the whole week off. <laughs> I made about 13,000 on that. And then people were just like, now the one thing I do regret is not playing Facebook. I told all my buddies to play the Facebook strangle as well. And $4,000 on puts would have returned you 62,000. So like, yeah. And that was the next day. So I kind of regret that, but you know, I stuck to my rules. I was just like, I'm not going to now like size up just because kind of a lotto play hit. However, I wanted to look at it. I did. I barely even traded that day. I think I traded like a, a kind of far out the money call on spy that was like 60 bucks and I just let it run around all day. But you know, like I said, figuring out what you can do as far as preserving your capital as the other one they say over at trade pro too if you're not going to pay yourself now when are you fuck i don't remember what i was just saying oh i was going to mention target because i was thinking about trying to do some kind of strangle on that and i don't like playing earnings as much anymore like for me an earnings trade needs to be a a lottery just because to me that's that's more gambling yeah it's really a gamble i did gamble on paypal too i i I walked away from that one with a nice four-figure day yeah (laughs) right that that's always good um yeah i always talk about just playing playing up into the earnings and then leaving anything is just a lotto that's one of my favorite things to do if i can get four or five contracts on something get them paid for and have you know 20 30 percent profit on them and still be able to have a runner that i can let run to you know whenever mm-hmm. like that's that's the way uh that's the bread and butter of me right exactly basically a free trade kevin thank you so much for for taking the time to talk to us we really appreciate your your honesty your what you're doing on on twitter just to see somebody on there that's not toxic uh, i think we kind of mentioned the toxicity on social media uh, earlier in the program yeah a trader after our own heart yes <laughs> somebody focusing on honesty and sharing the struggles is is very refreshing and i don't think you see it nearly enough Right. You you really don't. And like, that's why I talked about earlier. It's just like, you know, if I had somebody like myself or, you know, other traders that I followed that kind of just presented that, like, you're going to have days that you're going to lose. You're going to have days that you might not respect your stop, like, you know, and talking through it, you know, I would be mm-hmm. way farther along than I am right now than just seeing people just, we do a hundred percent every day. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> Cause I tweeted this a while ago. I was like, if I ever become a millionaire day trader, you won't see me on Twitter just blasting about percentages. Like I'll no. be doing something with the money retired somewhere, like, and making jokes on Twitter, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'd probably still be trading. I'd like it too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm right. I, I'll still be trading. I but wouldn't, I wouldn't be tweeting be, it though. <laughs> right. I wouldn't be blasting like, come join the Discord. We do this. I'm I'm so off of the Discord at that point. I'm utilizing the money and other stuff and whatever. But yeah, like I said, <laughs> I, ju- I just want to, you know, be as relatable as possible because I know majority, if not 90% of traders are just regular people with the full-time job, with families trying to just supplement money. So it's like everybody isn't this full-time, you know, Mercedes Lamborghini driver. Like they're just not. So right. the the more that I could provide relatable stuff, and that's why like I started a newsletter just to break stuff down as well. Like, you know, the more people I can help, you know, the better it makes me feel. 
Can we link that newsletter in the episode description? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can. I'll, I'll send you the link. It's, it's on my actual Twitter page. It'll take yep. you there. I think that's where I signed up for it. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely take you right there. All right, where else can people find you then? I know you're on Twitter. You got any other uh, profiles you want to shout out? Not really at the moment. I'm working on a lot of different things, and I feel bad because I talked about releasing this uh, spy PDF for people just to read through. Yep, I've been waiting for that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm waiting on it because, like, I'm not to say like no one was trading spy because I'm sure people were, but over the past three months, everybody's a spy expert. There's all these different things like how to trade it. So I'm working on a couple things with a couple of traders, you know, from FinTwit and that'll get released. I don't have a date, but it'll be sort of an educational thing as far as like people can, you know, see it. Um, I just don't want to release it right now as well because spy is moving sometimes 10 to $12 intraday. It's not really going to help you. It's moving like a petty sock. So right. that will get released soon. But other than that, working on a lot of different things just to provide you know some value to the everyday trader. So I'll talk about them as um, the spring. We get into the spring and like into April, but I'm very excited for it. But just right now, just follow me on Twitter. And then, like I said, also my newsletter, I really go into depth, usually about at least three times a week. On what I see, I'll post my charts, you know, different psychology tips yeah, and things of that nature. Oh, great stuff. Uh, we'll make sure we put links for that in the episode description. Uh, put a link to your Twitter profile, too. Hopefully, we'll get you back when you get that PDF done, because uh, I'd love to talk to you about it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. All right, Dan. You want to take us home? Yeah, thank, thanks again for joining us. This has been a really great, great time talking with you, Kevin. Really appreciate it having you by. We'll have to have you again soon uh, talk about how... Wait, <laughs> how the market keeps evolving in these trying times. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, thank you guys for having me on. Um, this was a blast. All right, fantastic. All right, folks, we'll be back at you soon. Thanks for joining us. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. We're closing up shop. Kyle, any parting wisdoms? Try and top the guests. Prove you're smarter. Nope. <laughs> I learned long ago not to. all right happy trades everyone two bulls in a china shop is an entertainment program and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.